0: Hello and welcome to Seeing Red. I'm Bethan.
1: And I'm Mark.
0: Thank you so much for joining us again, guys. Thank you for listening. Um, Thank you if you get in touch with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can email us and YouTube. So let us know if you've got any thoughts on today's episode.
1: And thank you to our wonderful new Patreon supporters and all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, The new people to this party are Naomi Russell. Joanne Lewis and Glenn Mullen. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, I know we say it every single time, but your support makes such a difference to the show. Yeah. Thank um, you so much,
0: guys. Really, really appreciate it.
1: And if you want to join these guys and the other hundred or so people that support us through Patreon, then you can find us at patreon.com slash seeing red podcast. And we've got a number of different tiers that you can sign up to. Uh, Different levels of support with different fun stuff that's going on with each one. So today's case uh, is a case that I'm sure many of you will be aware of. Uh, It's been requested by listener and friend of the show, Ellie, you know who you are. Uh, And it's a case that has highlighted changes for a number of aspects of our legal system in the UK. We'll be looking at the case of Richard and Sally Challen.
0: So the last time I covered a domestic abuse case, it was in a Patreon special back in October 2018, so nearly two years ago, I looked at the brutal death of Karen Pugh at the hands of her husband, Christopher. But due to his history of domestic violence not being included as part of his conviction, Christopher was convicted of manslaughter for the hammer attack. And this case focused primarily on physical violence. But today we're going to be looking at another aspect of domestic violence, called coercive control. Um, You might remember some of the statistics if you listened to that episode but they were kind of focusing on the physical violence side of things with domestic abuse. This is definitely going to look at the coercive control side of things. All too often we hear of the abused person being killed at the hands of the abuser but today's case however is a bit different. Whilst we may have also heard of the abuser being killed at the hands of their victim, this case is kind of, in my opinion at least, incredibly unique. Is it a case that you know much about, Mark? Have you heard much about this?
1: I I do know it, yeah. I I remember it at the time. I remember her son. I know she's got two sons, but uh, one of her sons, I think his name was David, he did a lot of work around um, appealing his mother's conviction um, successfully in the end, I know you'll come onto it, and it's probably not a spoiler for anybody. But um, but yeah, so I, I was aware of it. I don't know how I feel about it, but I don't know enough about it to have a real informed opinion of it. Um, on the face of it, I I think this could be this could split our uh, listeners into two camps. So those in favour of Sally and those uh, not in favour of her. I wouldn't say those in favour of Sally or her husband, Richard, maybe, um, but I think you'll either agree uh, with what Sally did and, and what happened to her ultimately, or you won't.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think if you look at it in a very black and white sense, it's easy to make a quick judgment, but there is a lot more to this. So yeah, hopefully, um, you'll by the end of this episode, you'll have a really firm decision on on what you think about this and what you think about her case so sally was just 15 years old when she met richard he was 22 years old and whilst he was charming to begin with as they began their relationship he gradually began to take control and sally as young as she was hadn't had the chance to experience any relationships she was the perfect person for richard to control Sally's upbringing had been quite a sheltered one. She was born into an old-fashioned family. Her four older brothers were teenagers by the time she came along. Her father died when she was six, so she was raised by her mother alone. And according to Sally, her mother didn't think it was the thing for a girl to pursue higher education. So whilst her brothers had high-flying careers, the expectation for Sally was secretarial work to get married, have a husband and children. And so I think that kind of sums up what she was almost what was instilled in her from the very beginning and having those four older brothers as well she would have been really really sheltered.
1: I think it's interesting, isn't it that she went into an abusive relationship, having lost her father at such a young age and maybe having four older brothers uh they could have they could have expressed an element of control over her. I'm not saying they did, but maybe they did uh dressed up as protection and I'm sure that's what it was but I wonder if there's something in that I think that's interesting that's one for a psychologist isn't it but definitely I do I do think there's there's something there potentially Mm -hmm. losing your father at the age of six and then uh, getting with an older man at the age of 15 and somebody that uh, was quite strict I guess
0: yeah and I think this is it. It's, um, it's definitely something that will have had an impact going ahead Richard lived locally and he was quite well known. He was known as a funny guy and quite charismatic. His dad had been the motoring correspondent for the News of the World and so Richard was a petrolhead. He was passionate about fast cars and Formula One and he actually made a lot of his money as a car dealer. The pair were introduced by Richard's oldest school friend, Delan Blackmore, and soon Sally was stopping by Richard's after school regularly to clean and cook for him, which I just felt like that's a lot for a 15-year-old and it's her new boyfriend. You should be going and drinking cider in a park, not cooking and cleaning for someone as if you're his wife or mother already.
1: Or at least spending quality time together rather than, that is very much, I, I know this sounds awful to say it, but that is almost what the relationship would become back then, decades ago, when a couple were married. The wife would look after the husband and cook and clean, So, but that's that is really unusual for that to have happened from the outset.
0: Yeah, but Richard was not as devoted as Sally was and he had many other women on the go at the same time. Richard would also bully and belittle Sally, calling her thunder thighs, for example. And if someone complimented her, he would literally say to them, well, you haven't seen her naked. How harsh is that? That's
1: awful. That's such a horrible thing to say to anybody, let alone to your wife or partner in front of your peer group. That is just an appalling way to behave, Mm -hmm. isn't it?
0: He was also completely in charge of their finances and he didn't let her out to socialise unless he was there. He took control of who her friends were and he enforced strict rules upon his younger girlfriend. And to make matters worse, whilst Sally was forced to behave in this manner that Richard expected, he would flaunt his money and along with his affairs, he was also a frequent visitor to brothels. So Sally, who hadn't had the chance to form an adult identity of her own, only knew of life with Richard and the way he behaved was all she knew and then when Sally was 17 she fell pregnant and I feel like this anecdote kind of really sums up Richard and his disdain because she fell pregnant and her brothers took her to Harley Street for a late-term abortion and afterwards they went and confronted Richard so her brothers were really protective of her and they were trying to do the right thing for her They went to Richard and he literally shrugged them off and said, well, it could have been anybody's.
1: That's awful, isn't it? And I think that probably does say a lot about her brothers, that she could confide in them and tell them what had happened and and they were there to support her because otherwise she'd have been doing that at 17 on her own, which would have been a terrible experience to have to go through a late-term abortion. Yeah. uh, Particularly back then, but... um yeah I mean that is just that that just about sums up Richard.
0: I think so I think that really kind of shows from the very and this isn't even the very beginning to be honest this is two years into their relationship but it just it just kind of sums up for me how cold he could be.
1: Yeah and talk about judging somebody else by your own standards just because he's off shagging around and using brothels and rubbing all of that in her face doesn't mean that she's doing that to him.
0: No, exactly. So to return to the story, Sally was just emotionally dependent on Richard. And a lot of what we see with this case is emotional abuse rather than physical abuse. Although there absolutely was physical abuse too. However, this might be down to the fact that Sally was kind of scared to confront Richard from those very early days. So perhaps it could have been a lot more violent and physical if she'd not been so scared to sort of confront him. Does that make any sense?
1: I don't know, because I think I think if he saw her as very weak, that could have made him want to physically abuse her even more because she's an easy target then and he can control her massively. Mm. Is that what you mean?
0: Well, the thing is, is at the very beginning... Um was really in the early days sally did challenge richard about seeing another woman he dragged her down the stairs and threw her out of the front door and so she said for the rest of her life she hated confronting him in case he did something like that again so i do wonder if this relationship could have been a lot more physically violent if she hadn't been standing up to him yeah yeah. I do wonder about that.
1: Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think she she's obviously just gone for the quiet life, the easy life, because of the consequences of confronting him are abundantly clear. He's going to probably do worse. That violence quite often escalates. And the first instance of her confronting him about seeing another woman and he's dragged her down the stairs and thrown her out the front door. What What is this guy going to be capable of in the future? So I completely understand why she would just go for that quieter life.
0: And she loved him. She really, really loved him. And this was someone that she'd been with since she was 15. So um, whilst it might, from the outside, be very easy to say, well, she should have just left him. It's a lot deeper than that.
1: Yeah, I don't think you can ever say that. I think one person's relationship is is very unique and it's very closed to those two individuals. So You never really know what's going on. But also, it's just not as easy as that, is it? She was with him from the age of 15. Her dad died when she was six. He is a replacement for that dad in some ways. Does she want to go through the trauma of losing her dad all over again? That's essentially what she would be facing.
0: And him making these comments about her weight or saying derogatory things about her um she's not going to have the self confidence that she's worth it for anybody else or or good enough she's i'm assuming she's probably thinking to herself well if i leave him who's going to want me and it breaks your heart doesn't it to think of someone thinking it that it does
1: it does and when that confidence has been chipped away at over a sustained prolonged period of time it's much more damaging than if it if it's just over a short period of time with some, some awful things that are said in the heat of the moment. When it is literally a sustained attack over decades, it does so much damage, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely. And Sally was caught up in Richard's web. When they got married, um, Richard actually forced her to sign a prenup before the big day, which protected his money. But this didn't matter to her. Sally loved Richard and she was deeply attached to him. From the outside, the Challen's marriage looked normal, happy, successful, textbook. Richard worked a six-day week. He had his own car dealership and the pair had two sons. Sally was a dutiful, doting mother and Richard seemed, to sons James and David, a normal dad, in inverted commas. They had holidays to Disneyland, Florida, Marbella, and Richard would take the boys go-karting or out to ride on mini motorbikes. And life just seemed good. But if anyone looked closer, and as Claygate was a small community and people did, there were definitely cracks in this perfect family image. People were shocked that Richard would so openly criticise his wife in public. He was caught speeding and he lied about it. He was convicted of fraud after crashing his Ferrari and lying about the accident. And many of the other women in the village thought he was sleazy. For two years running, Richard sent out Christmas cards that showed him leaning on a bonnet straddled by nude or topless women.
1: Oh, fucking hell. Ugh, I know. So rather than send out a nice, cosy Christmas card, which I think it's always a bit vain when you put your own photo on the front, unless you live in America where that's acceptable. Um, but to do that here in this country is quite vain. But I kind of get it. If you're really happy with your family and proud of them, mm. fine, go with that route. But to actually use it as an opportunity to massage your own ego and to just lean over the bonnet of a posh car with some slag rubbing her tits in your face for your Christmas yes. card. I mean, what the some fuck?
0: slag rubbing her tits in her face, Well, people honestly. are going to have me now
1: on, you know, female appropriation or whatever, but...
0: No, I know you what know, you mean though. He's he's doing that to get a reaction. He knows what that is looking like and he knows what he looks like with that and he loves himself.
1: But I also wonder if he's doing it to represent himself in a different way. So when people receive that card, when women receive that card, maybe in Claygate, which is, as you said, is a small community, maybe they see him in a different way, in a sexual way. Yeah. And that means that they might be more susceptible to falling victim to to his advances maybe. Yeah,
0: exactly. He might see this as this is attractive to women, so I'm going to do it.
1: And he's planting that seed, isn't yeah. he? That sexual seed.
0: And Richard just wasn't this great dad that he liked to pretend he was either. His sons as they grew up soon realized this and became more and more aware of the problems that their mum and dad faced in their relationship. Sally got a job at one point and so because she had a job and an income, all of the household expenses had to come from her wages whilst Richard continued spending his own money on fast cars and nice watches. He just did his own thing and he had no awareness of other members of his family. His son David, who you mentioned earlier, um, is someone who I will talk about a lot in this because he's really talked openly about the family life and the family dynamic and he recalled a day when his dad challenged him because he wasn't at school. It was the middle of the summer holidays.
1: Jesus.
0: And like, don't get me wrong, I don't know when half term is or summer holidays. I don't have a child in school, so it's kind of fair enough.
1: Yeah, and he had two kids as well. Yeah. I think that shows how little he was involved in the family.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. That they weren't
1: planning any nice family days out during the summer holiday. None of that would have been discussed because he wouldn't have even been aware that it was a summer holidays.
0: And I think the fact that it's the middle of the summer holidays, what, you haven't noticed that he's not been in school for the last two weeks as well as today?
1: That makes it worse. And I also think that this this represents the world revolving around him. Mm -hmm. So he thinks he's at the centre of everything. He doesn't pay attention to anybody else.
0: Yeah. David has described his mum as loving, kind, calm, accepting, everything that you'd want in a mother. She'd always listen. And he's also said, when I realised I was gay, it was mum who talked to me. There was an unspoken agreement not to mention it to dad. So again, I think that just really sums up the difference between Sally and Richard and their parenting styles, their being a human being styles, and also really kind of you can see why david is is has and will stand by his mum because she's just for him exactly what he wanted as a mum
1: absolutely yeah from what you've said she does sound like an amazing woman
0: and i also do i don't want to say all of this and make it sound like we're um saying richard deserves anything i think it's just very important to show just what kind of person he was and and the way he is behaving in this whole scenario potentially there were some really great things about him as well but I just couldn't really find much that wasn't great when it wasn't for himself when it's for other people or or show lovely but when it's when it's for his family or his children he doesn't seem to really care about anything
1: I think you're presenting it factually so there are two sides to it we're not saying that he deserved to die like you say but I think the person you've painted, the picture of the person you've painted so far, is of a of a very selfish man, borderline psychopath, you might perhaps think. So um you've done nothing wrong in painting him out as he is. He's abs- he was an absolute bastard.
0: Mm. So the family home was a happy one when it was Sally and her two sons, but the atmosphere would change when Richard returned home from work. And the other son, James, who hasn't really spoken to the press loads, he's not really been in the public eye as much as David, he has been quoted as saying, everyone was on edge. Dinner was generally uncomfortable because of arguments over whether my mum had cooked something to his liking. If he was watching TV and we were talking, he'd just turn the volume up and we weren't allowed to use the TV when he wasn't there because he said it would waste its limited lifespan.
1: And I've never, I've never lived with anybody or had anybody in the family that I feel like I'm treading on eggshells around, but I've worked for people that I've felt like that. And I'm sure you have too. Hopefully not me. I was
0: just about to make that joke. I know.
1: Yeah. Don't, don't make that joke. Um, hopefully you didn't, but I've, I've worked for, I've worked for several bosses who, um, you don't really know what mood they're going to be in from one day to the next, and you're treading on eggshells. And when, when they turn up for work, it's that awful feeling. And when they don't turn up for work, it's that huge sense of relief. So I can kind of get a sense of what, what it would have been like in their house, but that, that was their life. That yeah. wasn't just work. They were living that. But I think that's the only thing I can. Potentially compare it to.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And there's sometimes you'll work with somebody, and you just think, God, when they get back from their lunch break, it's all going to change. Or, oh, they're on holiday, hooray! Or like, oh, they're back yeah. from their holidays, um yeah. And that's at work, and you you go to work, and that's that's really crap at the time. But whatever, you can go home. Whereas this is your home, your sanctuary, and that's where you're, like you said, treading on eggshells. And so, yeah. Richard would also lock up the phones when he was out because he said, well, I pay the phone bill, so don't use them unless I'm here.
1: I'm really hating him. I
0: bet you are. And I feel like our listeners probably are too. Yeah. He would stop Sally from using her car except for work travel if she annoyed him. So again, this control of, well, you've done something I don't like, so I'm going to take something away from you like a child.
1: Well, I was just going to say it's very parent-child, mm-hmm. isn't it? The relationship they that they seem to have. Yeah. And Sally is reinforcing that child role by being compliant, which I understand why she had to be compliant, because that was by far the safer option. She would have probably been been dead if she didn't take that route. But, um, But yeah, she is reinforcing that.
0: And neighbours have said that Richard treated her like she belonged to him. He didn't just expect to have control over things like the TV and his own money, but he was also fully in control of the couple's sex life too. And I kind of don't like using the word sex life because that makes this sound like it's normal and it's it's not, it's abuse. But those are the words that Sally herself used, so that's why I'm calling it their sex life. Their sex life consisted of whatever Richard enjoyed whenever he wanted it. So Sally would be sent upstairs to get ready because he didn't like to see her naked and she had to wash first because Richard told her that she smelled. The idea that she smelled really worried Sally so much so that she went to her GP who reassured her, actually, you don't smell at all. So this is just another area in which Richard kind of controlled her. And yeah, I mean, it's not a sex life if it's whenever he wants it, you're going to do what he tells you to.
1: That makes me sad as well. The fact that he was saying something deeply personal to her, saying that she smelt, that would really undermine her confidence. And yeah, that is just heartbreaking, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's such a cruel thing to say when it's not true.
0: And to say like, oh, I don't like to see you naked. I don't want to have to see you naked. What the hell?
1: And what mixed messages is she getting that he says she smells, she's unattractive, she's... Got thunder thighs. He doesn't want to see her naked, yet he's having sex with her. Yeah. So she probably is incredibly confused, but like you say, it's not. It's not sex. It's rape.
0: It is. And even when she's talking retrospectively, she still calls it their sex life. So it really shows what kind of effect this has had on her. Um. And Sally has also stated that Richard raped her. Um. On one occasion, he had witnessed her hug a friend goodnight, and basically the the couples there was a group of couples and they were all spending time together and this was one of richard's oldest friends him and sally were then in the lounge and they ended up being the last people at the end of the evening and then they stood up to say goodnight and they gave each other a hug goodnight before they went off to their own bedrooms and that was apparently quite normal the the couples would hug as hellos and goodbyes all the time but richard apparently stormed in and demanded to know what was going on and both of them were like, well, nothing, obviously. His wife's upstairs and you're my husband and, you no, know, nothing. But Richard then took her upstairs and raped her as almost like a, half as like a punishment, half as like a control thing of, no, you're mine.
1: I was going to say, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's possibly what it was. But, and I, I don't know the intricacies of all of this, but to me, in such an abusive, coercive, controlling relationship, I would say any sex that happened in that relationship was rape, mm-hmm. although I understand for, from Sally's perspective, there would be a, a differentiation, wouldn't there, between no- normal sex, which he would have controlled, which I would say you could call rape, and then actually being probably violently raped by him, Exactly. as was the case on that occasion. Yeah, yeah.
0: and I think that's, that's what I kind of struggled with trying to write this section of my script for this case, because from the outside i'm looking at this like no that's to me i'm looking at her case and saying no you were raped but in her words that was their sex life and this was actually an occasion where he raped her so it just really does show what kind of person he was yeah and richard continued to openly pursue other women he had several mobile phones on the go and on one occasion sally followed him and saw him enter a massage parlour yards from where she worked but Richard would deny everything and he would tell Sally she was mad, she was crazy, he'd accuse her of drinking too much. Sally was a regular at her GP discussing her lack of sleep, her domestic stress, her low appetite and she was known in social circles as someone who smoked and drank too much and the couple weren't really invited to many social sort of scenarios and parties Sometimes this was because the other couples wanted to avoid the pair. And then other times it was because Richard would just suddenly decide he didn't want to be friends with someone anymore. And of course, this meant that Sally wasn't allowed to see those people anymore either.
1: And I think with Sally drinking too much, you can understand why. That was self medicating. Oh my God,
0: absolutely.
1: Why would she not reach for something that's really accessible, that's going to numb the pain of the life that she's she's leading? Yeah. I completely understand why she would do it.
0: As they got older, James and David would even challenge their father about his affairs, but he would just lie and deny it all. He would continue with the insults and the bullying, even in front of their sons and in front of their friends too. And James and David absolutely hated this. One of Sally's few real friends, a woman called Sarah, has been quoted as saying, there was only one thing she talked about, and that was Richard. It was endless. For all the years I knew Sally, she was besotted with him, absolutely desperately in love. She didn't want to anger or upset him, she just wanted to be loved by him. And from the outside, you could tell that that wasn't going to happen. So Sarah was one of the few people that Richard actually allowed Sally to have as a friend, This seems to be mainly because she lived in Scotland but also because Richard had met her husband before Sally and Sarah became friends so he kind of was almost in control of of the fact that they'd become friends. In November 2009, after discovering that he had been using the services of sex workers, Sally decided that she needed to leave Richard. When she saw the brothel being raided on the news and then learned it had been staffed by trafficked women, she really just decided enough was enough. She used some inheritance money that she had to buy a small house and she moved into it with David, who was at this point 22 years old, which I just think shows how long she was going along with things and keeping things going. Her son was now 22. Um, So Richard actually stayed at their large family home. Um, James had already moved out with his girlfriend. So the brothers were really, really pleased that their mother had finally gotten away from their father and they were adamant that she should stay away and i think that says a lot when your two sons are telling your you know telling their mother your wife to stay away from you
1: yeah and that's that's their dad
0: mm-hmm. but sally was so emotionally dependent on richard and she missed him so much she would say to sarah on the phone that she didn't know what to do with herself because she was so used to richard being her life that now she didn't feel like she had a life He'd tell her what to do and how to behave and what what tasks she had to do that day. Now she had no one telling her what to do and she really struggled. So Sarah and the boys just kept reminding her, it's going to take time, but you're doing the right thing. Instead, Sally asked Richard to take her back and he responded with an email which stated, I will consider your return, but only on these terms. You will continue and complete the divorce only with a £200,000 settlement. So this was a lot less than she would have been entitled to after the 31 years that they were married. And he also said, when we go out together, it means together. This constant talking to strangers is rude and inconsiderate. We will agree to items in the home together. You will give up smoking and you will give up your constant interruptions when I am speaking. And that's how much of a hold he had on her. She was willing to agree to all of this in order to get back together with him.
1: He just obviously holds her in such disdain that why why does he even want to continue the relationship? Well, it's purely, isn't it? It's purely because she is someone that he can control and that's important to him to have somebody that he can easily manipulate and control. So that's what he's getting out of it. Otherwise, I was just thinking, he obviously hates her. Why why would he allow her to come back but that's what it's about control it isn't is it? it's
0: control and i think from from what i kind of see it as is if he can control her to agree to these lesser terms he's not going to have to give up as much in the divorce whereas if he allowed her to yes. just go and divorce him she's going to get a lot more
1: because they are still going to continue with the divorce the plan wasn't it yeah to continue with the divorce she takes the 200,000 pound settlement but they then get back get back together so she can't divorce him again yeah and get more of a settlement because they're already divorced
0: and i'm pretty sure i might be wrong but i'm pretty sure their house was worth a million pounds i think it was like a really nice house and i'm i know for a fact that even just that 200,000 was less than what she would have got from the house so yeah it's it's pure and simple he is just doing whatever's best for him at this stage so, Sally returned. She'd secretly visit him. She agreed to Richard's requested post-nuptial agreement that would cut her rights to the family home, that was going to impose those restrictions on her. So, Richard then suggested a new start in Australia. But Sally really worried that perhaps this was a trick. She was sure he was seeing other women and he was offering these terms in order to wa- kind of walk away with most of their money. And I think because she'd managed to get away from him, she then started to have a bit of a clear mind around things. She wasn't entirely duped by him. She was definitely still sucked in by him, but she stopped and started the divorce proceedings 13 times during their separation. So perhaps it was that she was really hoping he was going to change and this time their marriage would be for good. Um, Perhaps she could start to see where he was controlling her. I'm not sure. And when the pair met up, she would check Richard's phone and she would read his messages. David began to suspect his parents were back in contact, but Sally wouldn't admit it. David said that his mum was distracted, unfocused, and she just wouldn't listen. And he'd really noticed a change in her. And then one morning in August 2010, David's life was turned upside down. His mum dropped him off to work, telling him seriously through the car window, you know I love you, don't you? Looking directly at him. Unbeknownst to him, she was planning these to be her last words to him before she jumped off the top of a car park.
1: So she'd planned that yep. whole kind of, yeah, yeah what, she, what she was going to do. She was she prepared do.
0: to kill herself because she had this terrible secret she was keeping from her son. One that was actually a lot worse than the reconciliation with Richard that she'd already been keeping a secret from him. So she said these really serious words to him and then drove to a high rise car park nearby. But when she saw that it was closed, she carried on driving until she got to Beachy Head in East Sussex. And there she planned to jump to her death off the cliff edge. When she reached the cliff top, she called and told her cousin what had happened the day before. So Sally had driven over to her old home and she'd spent some time with Richard. But she'd continued to think something was going on and she had no trust left with Richard. When he sent her out to get something for lunch, she figured that he had wanted her out of the house for a reason. So when she got back, she took his phone and she could see that he had called a number while she was out. So she rang this number and a woman answered. It was exactly as she expected. He was seeing another woman. Sally knew this woman's name because she'd previously discovered that Richard had met her through a dating agency called Dinner Dates. When Sally challenged Richard, he told her not to question him. So she cooked his bacon and eggs served it up, and then Richard took a seat at the table with his back to her to eat. As he did so, Sally took a hammer out of her handbag and hit Richard over the head with it. She repeated the blows approximately 20 times until she was sure that he was dead. So that is really brutal.
1: That is a brutal attack, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Damage that would have done to him, viciously raining down blows
0: at the back with a hammer hammer. at the back of his Mm -hmm. head
1: 20 times yeah it would have been over very quickly that would have been over in probably 10 seconds 10 to 15 seconds but that that would have caused an absolute bloody mess Mm -hmm.
0: and then just in case he was still breathing she stuffed a tea towel into his mouth she wrapped his body in curtains and blankets and after jotting a note that said i love you and doing the washing up, she left the house and stopped off to buy wine and cigarettes. Next, she composed a suicide note, but she couldn't bear to do this final act until she'd seen David again. So that's why she waited until she dropped him off to work with that final I love you. And that's what brought her to the cliff edge.
1: You, you've written that so well. it's It kind of really has taken me to that scene, to the scene it of the was, crime.
0: It's so sad, isn't it? Yeah. And... I do think what's really interesting with this is like whilst I can understand what's brought her to this point it's 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 just so crazy because at that moment she still cooks him the meal he he sits there to eat it like she doesn't even just kind of go screw you I'm not cooking you lunch like she still does that and she does the washing up. That's just even after he's dead, the control that he has on her to make sure the house is still nice and clean. And
1: I think it's just, it's a brutal attack, but you, you can really get a sense of the emotions that Sally's feeling all, all through to the point where she's really thinking, this is it for her. This is her last day. She's going to see David one final time and tell him that, that he, that she loves him. And then go yeah. to beachy head and jump off.
0: Concerned passers-by called for help, and once Sally had finished telling her cousin about the hammer attack on Richard, she repeated her confession to a suicide team and a chaplain who had been called to help her. She told them, I killed him with a hammer, I hit him lots of times. If I can't have him, no one can. And it took them two hours to talk her down from the edge. Later that day, David was summoned by his manager. His cousin and a police officer had come to tell him that his father was dead. And David has said, when I found out what she'd done, I didn't even think to ask her why. I mean, that just tells you everything, doesn't it?
1: I think we need a break there, don't we?
0: I think so. Shall we talk about our second sponsor of the show? I
1: think we should, yeah.
0: Yeah, so ten months later, Sally's trial for murder began. The prosecution painted her as a jealous woman, one who was insanely possessive and jealous. They stated that the woman Richard had phoned was just a friend and this woman testified that Richard was a lovely man with a good sense of humour. And to be honest, I can probably believe that this, this woman would see him like that. I really could believe that he would be that charismatic, charming guy. So I don't necessarily think that woman was lying or anything. I think it's really telling that his defence was, no, she's just a friend.
1: Because I I was just going to call her out on that and say, uh, I was going to call her a naughty word, which I won't do. uh, Because actually, I think you're right. I think she probably only saw fun Richard, sexy Richard, the Richard who wasn't controlling because he was able to get that at home. He was able to control somebody, i.e. Sally, at home. So he didn't need to control this woman it was just the fun times that they would have had so for her yeah it probably was quite a fun relationship but she wasn't seeing the real richard
0: and she would have only known of Sally from what Richard told her as well. Yeah. So she's going to hear about this insanely jealous woman who's his ex-wife and he's trying to divorce her, but she keeps on trying to get back. You know, he's going to have painted Sally as a certain way as well. And
1: also you can't deny that at this at the point of Richard's death, at the point of his murder, as it was at this point, um, that woman lost uh, a loved one really because she'd been with Richard for a period of time Um they were an item. He was having an affair with her. Um, so so she's lost somebody that she loved?
0: Yeah. So the prosecution um, told the court about how Sally had monitored Richard's phone calls, that she hadn't trusted him at all. And this is all fact, you know. There was also her confession to the suicide prevention team and the fact that she had said, "If no- if I can't have him, no one can. Sally hardly spoke at the trial and she looked nothing like the well-dressed woman she had once been. Her hair was a mess, her fingers were nicotine, stained yellow, and she'd actually lost a front tooth.
1: So really, she, she looked like your typical murderer, I suppose, if you really want to label them. She's not looking yeah. like the respectable middle-class housewife that she actually was.
0: No, and this, I think this is the thing, you'd even though you shouldn't, the jury will be judging her, her profile looks as well her. as the sp- yeah, yeah. It's it's natural human instinct.
1: Yeah, and I think using words like monitoring his phone, that's quite an, an unusual word to use. Monitoring, because that sounds much more calculated, doesn't it? And it paints a yeah. picture of somebody who was obsessive, and obviously mm-hmm. they're, they're painting a picture of somebody who, pardon the pun, saw red and beat her husband around the head until he was dead, because she was in a jealous fit of rage.
0: Yeah, exactly. And Sally's defence team, who, to be honest, I'm a bit pissed off with in this case, I'm not gonna lie, they chose not to kind of help her in any way, really. They didn't use a provocation defence, which could have reduced her charge to manslaughter. I mean... It might not have done, but it could have done. Instead, they used the plea of diminished responsibility, saying she wasn't in her right mind when she committed the hammer attack. And they used her medical history and some evidence from a psychiatrist who diagnosed depression to show this. But the fact that she'd taken the hammer with her and then the prosecution had testimony from another psychiatrist which would dispute this diagnosis, um, this meant that this just wasn't believed. And I do think that actually a provocation defence would have been a much stronger one.
1: But the law, the law was different at that time, wasn't it? Because
0: it was different. But the provocation defence at this point still could have reduced it to manslaughter. That's true. Yeah.
1: But I do think that's an interesting and important point that you've made because we've got to got to be balanced. And Sally did actually visit Richard, and she'd brought the hammer with her, and that is interesting.
0: Yeah. The jury had no idea about Richard's behaviour. The defence seemed to think it might reflect badly on Sally if they were to attack the murder victim in court, so they didn't want to talk about what he'd done to her in case they looked like they were just trying to badmouth him.
1: That's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. And Sally's brothers and many others that were involved quite rightly challenged this, but there was nothing to be done. At the end of a seven-day trial, Sally was found guilty of murder. Sentencing Sally to life imprisonment with a minimum term of 22 years, Judge Christopher Critchlow told her that she had been eaten up with jealousy at Richard's friendships with other women, and said, You are somebody who killed the only man you loved, and you will have to live with knowing what you did. In November 2011, the court then reduced the minimum term from 22 years to 18 years, and... The word control did come up repeatedly in the trial. But like we were talking just now, in 2011, this wasn't the red flag that it is today. Domestic abuse was still seen as physical violence. And Sally didn't have black eyes or bruises or the broken bones that would illustrate that she had been abused by Richard. But in 2015, a new law came into force. And this law recognised coercive or controlling behaviour as a crime and as a form of domestic abuse. And so this was an area of domestic abuse that the victims had always tried to explain, that somehow the physical assaults were not the worst of it. Rather, for them, it was the pattern of isolation, humiliation and domination that had broken them down repeatedly over time and had robbed them of their lives. And so obviously it's not black and white, it it just generally happens slowly and subtly over time. And I think it's really interesting that Domestic abuse victims have been trying to kind of put this into words for so long and not having the word to use. Whereas now we, we hear coercive control and we understand what that means.
1: But it's not just not having the word to describe what was happening. It's not having the protection in law to protect them from, yeah. um, from those kind of abusive relationships. I think we'll probably in years to come, we'll look back at a time before coercive control. Uh, was an offence and carried the penalties that it carries now. And we won't be, we won't believe that. We'll think, God, I can't believe that people are able to do that in a relationship and get away with it, and that they that wasn't punishable by law.
0: Yeah, this reminds me of the shock and disgust that I feel when I remember the fact that it used to be perfectly legal in the UK for a man to rape his wife because yeah. that was his wife and it wasn't rape. And that's obviously not the case now, but it is still like, I think, like you said, that shocks me now to look back and think, God, how is that the case? I think you're right. I think 10, 15, 20 years down the line, we're going to look back and think, how the hell did we not think that this was abuse?
1: For a civilized society to not have categorized it in that way up until 2015, it's dumbfounding.
0: So an article on the government website highlighting this change stated the government's new coercive or controlling behaviour offence will mean victims who experience a type of behaviour that stops short of physical violence but amounts to extreme psychological and emotional abuse can bring their perpetrators to justice. The offence will carry a maximum of five years imprisonment, a fine or both. Our new coercive or controlling behaviour offence will protect victims who would otherwise be subjected to sustained patterns of abuse that can lead to total control of their lives by the perpetrator. We are sending a clear message that it is wrong to violate the trust of those closest to you and that emotional and controlling abuse will not be tolerated. And with this, in March 2018, Sally Challen won leave to appeal against her conviction. In the report submitted in sort of support of the appeal, they identified common control tactics had been used by Richard. Gaslighting, or causing Sally to question her sanity. So, you know, you're drinking too much, you're crazy. Compliance humiliation, so imposing petty rules to humiliate her. Isolation, constant criticism, emotional abuse. Sally's solicitor was Harriet Wistrich, she was the one who blocked the release of the black cab rapist John Warboys and is the co-founder of Justice for Women. She's amazing. And through Justice for Women, they helped secure the release of Sarah Thornton, Emma Humphreys and other women who had killed their violent and abusive husbands. So she argued with Sally's case that the new law brought in in 2015 supported a defence for Sally that would reduce her conviction to manslaughter or would allow her a retrial, and Sally's sons wanted their mother freed. The fact that none of Richard's friends or relatives came forward to say otherwise was really telling, and in fact, many of them publicly showed their support for Sally's appeal. Yeah. And at the original trial, it was suggested that Sally attacked Richard in a rage, but their son David said before the appeal that he believed his mother's claim that she was unaware of her actions when she killed Richard. He said, she took that hammer and she killed my father. I recognise what happened, but we have to recognise what psychological control does. I don't know why she took that hammer. She doesn't understand why. And he also said that he and James can't understand how Sally still loved Richard. He said, we don't know what to do with that. My father's not alive anymore and he still has power over her. He said to the press that he hoped the appeal would acknowledge his mother's mental abuse and could acknowledge what she'd suffered throughout her life. He said she has been manipulated psychologically all her life, tied down by this man, my father. She deserves her right to freedom. She deserves for her abuse to be recognised. So time and time again, we're just seeing that even Richard's sons felt so strongly that actually his murderer, as it was at this point, the person who'd murdered him was in the right somehow. Yeah. Like it's it's so interesting. But they'd
1: witnessed their father's mm-hmm. behaviour growing up mm-hmm. towards their mother. So I think they, they had a front row seat to this appalling man and what he was capable yeah. of, and therefore you've got a lot of context as to to why their mother would have killed him.
0: Yeah. And finally, in February 2019, after serving eight years of her sentence, Sally's appeal was heard, her murder conviction was quashed, and a retrial ordered at the Court of Appeal, after a panel of three judges ruled it was unsafe in light of new evidence that was not available at the time of her trial. Um One of the judges stated the court of appeal heard that in the opinion of a consultant forensic psychiatrist, the appellant was suffering from two mental disorders at the time of the killing. and This evidence was not available at the time of the trial and the court quashed the conviction and ordered a retrial. So Sally attended the appeal via video link from um, HMP Bronzefield and when she heard the result, she burst into tears. There were cheers and applause from relatives and supporters in the public gallery. At a press conference, Harriet Wistrich said, Whatever may be the ultimate outcome, we have managed to raise awareness and a much deeper understanding of the concept of coercive control, which is such a recent one. And then the next section of Sally's story happened less than a year ago, on the 7th of June 2019. She was due to face a new trial on the 1st of July but at a hearing before Mr Justice Eddis at the Old Bailey the prosecution said the Crown accepted her plea to the lesser charge of manslaughter. So Sally's murder conviction was changed to manslaughter the judge announced that she would not face a retrial and her sentence was changed to nine years and four months which was time already served for the manslaughter of her husband. At this point she was formally released from prison walking free after being told by the judge allowing full credit of one third because it has always been your case and you killed him by reasons of diminished responsibility. That means you have already served an equivalent sentence and are therefore entitled by law to be released at once. Sir David tweeted, As a family, we are overjoyed at today's verdict and it has brought to an end the suffering we have endured together for the past nine years. Our story has become the landmark case society needs to recognise and the true severity of coercive control. And I thought, bless them—they literally, just like we, have endured this suffering, and finally, we have an end now.
1: Yeah, he um he deserves a lot of credit, doesn't he, David? Because he, from what I could see, single-handedly spearheaded the campaign to free his mum and to have that yeah. conviction overturned. And I saw him being interviewed for years really he would go on tv and be interviewed and bring his mother's case to the attention of the media and he was like a dog with a bone he wouldn't leave it and it would have been so easy Mm -hmm. to just give up eventually um but he never did and i i think it's a real it's a real testament to him but it's a real great example of never giving up because if you keep going and you've got enough will you will achieve what you want to achieve
0: yeah Definitely. I completely agree. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the Walter McMillian case that we looked at a few weeks ago and just like not giving up on, obviously his was very different because he was innocent and he was trying to overturn a, a really unsafe conviction. Um, but yeah, just the never giving up is just amazing. So, um, James sort of said to the court in a victim impact statement. We have lost a father and we do not seek to justify our mother's actions. He said his mother does not deserve to be punished further. And I thought this was really key. They are not trying to justify her actions. She admitted manslaughter. It's just that it should have been looked at in that way anyway at the beginning that's how it should have been seen yeah
1: this is definitely the whole point of this case i think and it's not this is probably what i was forgetting at the beginning she is not saying she's innocent of her husband's death her part in her husband's death she was always just saying i didn't murder him under the definition of murder in our law so she was just saying it was manslaughter because there are mitigating factors surrounding it um so so that is the important bit, isn't it? She wasn't denying it. She was just saying it was manslaughter, not murder.
0: Yeah, and this is why I'm so frustrated with her defence team, because if they could have done that then I mean it's the, the law still needed those changes that came into place in twenty fifteen and and things still needed to be happening around coercive control. And obviously Sally's case has no had no impact on that specifically, but the fact then that she was able to overturn a murder conviction and and have it reduced to the lesser charge of time served is a really key thing then for other people potentially in the same boat as she was in
1: but do you know why i think she had such a shit defense the first time round? it would be because she'd have had no money so it would have been um legal aid and you get what you pay for don't you so if it's free yeah, potentially. it's not going to be very that's good so true. whereas this woman that we talked about who stopped john warboys from being released a year or so mm-hmm. ago i can't remember a name but she she is amazing and Harriet, Harriet mm-hmm. has an amazing reputation probably would ordinarily charge a 1000 pounds an hour but would have been quite happy to um to take this case on for nothing i'm sure but she wouldn't have been available to sally or people like sally at that time and that's why her defense was shit
0: yeah. Do you know what? I didn't think of it like that at all. And that's such a good point. It could well have been that she didn't have the money to pay for somebody who was going to take more time and more care with it and be willing to stand up for something yeah. that was a bit unusual and different.
1: Yeah, honestly, I do. I think that's what it is. I also think if you if you look at it in a slightly different way, maybe it was always meant to be because Sally really became the poster girl for coercive control and she's she's a very strong woman. David's a very strong man and they've been able to raise so much awareness around this that we probably wouldn't really have known what coercive control means today if it wasn't for Sally Challen.
0: That's such an interesting point because it could have just been that this new law came into place and from that point on things were different. But when you really hear and look at a case like this, where you can actually see even his own sons could tell you the reason why she potentially did that, I mean that really does. It brings it to life, you. doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Gets right into your heart then and it makes you feel really sad and
1: You've got empathy then for people in this situation, which you may not have had yeah. just hearing on the news that a new bill has been passed in the House of Lords or whatever.
0: Definitely. And I do also think that it helps you to kind of bring it to life. For me, um, that way if I was looking at a friend's relationship and I was starting to worry about them that potentially I'd have more of an understanding of where coercive control could have come in to then want to help them, whereas before you might think to yourself, well, they're not not—they're clearly not being abused because I can't see any bruises and I've gone round every day and she's not been yeah. attacked.
1: I'm sure what happened to Sally and it happening in this convoluted way with the retrial, a change in the law and lots of media attention around her case, I'm sure that saved lives. Because of what you've said, based on what you've said, that friends, neighbours, colleagues, relatives will have been able to observe and understand coercive control in other people's relationships and support it better than they would have been able to do if their understanding was lacking.
0: Yeah. So Sally walked out of court to the sound of applause from all her supporters and I just think she must have felt... But like you said, what she's gone through, she's obviously strong enough to come out the other side. And that's absolutely amazing that she could, but also that it was worth it for something. You know, she's she's been in prison, but actually she's managed to change lives. She told a press conference. Many other women who are victims of abuse, as I was, are in prison today serving life sentences. They should not be serving sentences for murder, but for manslaughter. And she added, I still love Richard and I miss him dreadfully and wish that none of this had happened. I'm just so happy I can begin to live my life again. I have had major ups and major downs. Without the support of my family and my endless telephone calls to them at inappropriate times, I don't know how I would have coped. I can't get over the fact that she is still talking about how much she loves Richard. And I think that really, really shows how this is not black and white whatsoever.
1: Yeah, I think that, no pun intended here, I shouldn't say it, but that does hammer home the abu- the nature Jesus of the Christ. abuse. I'm sorry, guys, but <laughs> it does hammer home the nature of the abuse, doesn't it? Yeah. That she's still mm-hmm. talking in that way. She was brainwashed almost.
0: Yeah. And so Sally Challen has continued to kind of fight for justice and fight for awareness and she said that she hopes the justice system is going to take abuse more seriously and that getting appeal would become easier for women if they're convicted of murder she did explain kind of the problem is a lot of women don't understand that they're in a relationship which is a coercive controlled relationship and it's the friends the family the work colleagues the relatives that see that somehow they need to speak to that person and open their eyes to what they're going through and breaking that tie is such is such a strong tie those women are really vulnerable so she wants schools to teach young girls and young boys about coercive control it's not just girls that suffer from it so it, she doesn't want it to just be like oh wives she wants it to be everybody from a very young age learns about how to look for the signs how to support their friends or themselves and that the teachers should be looking out for signs of things within the classrooms as well. It's such a hard one because as we sort of discussed at the beginning, we've kind of t- touched on a few times. Coercive control doesn't involve bruises and visible signs. So it's really educating people. And like you said, this is what her case has kind of brought it to life for people. And it's really kind of opened it up into a real world situation for people to understand how... It looks from the outside and from the inside.
1: Yeah, I think she's achieved something amazing. And I, I've got to, you've got to give credit to David as well. And I'm sure James, her other son, supported her equally. But it was David really that spearheaded that campaign. And I think mm-hmm. together they're a real force for change, for positive change in this country. So long may their yeah. work continue around this.
0: Mm-hmm. So there we go. Thank you for listening, guys.
1: I think this one was always going to be on our list, wasn't it? It was always going to be a case that we had to cover. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I remember it so well all through the years, not just up until, not just from last year when she was released, but uh, I remember the fight for, for justice for her. So um, so yeah, very, um, very well told case. Well done, Bethan.
0: Oh, thank you very much. Thank you, Ellie, for suggesting it. I know you suggested it months ago, so um, hopefully it's a nice surprise for you that we've covered the case for you today.
1: She usually, usually listens in the bath, doesn't she, Ellie? So I can just, she she sorry, Ellie, bath, I'm just picturing, yeah, bomb. I'm picturing her in the bath with a bath bomb, listening to Seeing Red. So fill your boots. You're picturing
0: her in the bath? Yeah.
1: Sorry, Ellie. <laughs> fill your boots on, on this episode. Um, thank you for listening, guys. Uh, don't forget to check out our show sponsor. So we've got Beer 52. Check out Beer 52 and get your free beers at beer52.com slash red. Um, also don't forget to check out wearewild.com you get 20% off your first wild deodorant purchase on their website Uh, just use code red at checkout
0: thank you so much get in touch with us in all the usual ways to discuss the episode and we will be back with you next week
1: we'll see you then bye
0: bye